We're all gathered here today to listen to a dwarf cast by Ganymede and Titan. Start the tape, please, Holly. Awoga, this is a dwarf cast. Hello and welcome to the GNT Dwarfcast commentary for Series 7, Episode 4, Duct Soup Extended. Yes, of all the episodes that you want an extra four minutes of, it's clearly Duct Soup. Uh, so normally whenever we do a shit episode, it's just me and Danny, uh, but we've almost run out of good episodes now. So And <laughs> we've, we've Extended our shit team, our shit bit team, uh, to include Jonathan Caps, hello, as well as Danny Stevenson, hello, and myself, Ian Symes. Uh, we are now going to watch, as we say, the extended version of uh, Duck Soup. And if you would like to watch along with us at the same time, then press play after these pips. There ain't no place in the whole of cyberspace. www.ganymede.tv Yes, here we go with the title sequence, and that's how you know that you're watching the extended version and not the original version. Oh yeah, the, cold opening. The the broadcast version here has a just the like a title card of the red dwarf with the big seven Starbucks flying across his. So is is it to be assumed that the original duck soup ran a bit long? Somehow. Poss- yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe it was just on the cusp and so that is possibly why they chose this one to do an extended version of to complete the set of yeah ticket to ride in a robberous because we were talking before we started about we were all quite like unsure as to whether we were watching the right version because the running time isn't that much more than a standard episode yeah i had to i had to watch it because i do have an illicit copy at the moment just because all my dvds are packed away and so i watched a bit of it to see whether there was any laughter on it and after about 20 minutes I was 100% sure that there was no <laughs> laugh track on it so I knew I had the right one. <laughs> oh dear it started well, already yes. <laughs> well this episode is in the Pearl Poll uh, was ranked number 60 out of 73 um, which is only the wow. uh, third worst in series 7 uh, so well done I guess but yeah it's not very really high up at all it's apparently better than Nanaki and Beyond a Joke, which I think is a bit harsh on Nanaki. I think Nanaki is a better episode. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's it's difficult. Uh, Duck Soup's main crime is that it's not funny, and it's setting out to be. It's not setting out to be particularly dramatic. It doesn't have a big sci-fi plot. Because some episodes of Series Seven they kind of get away with not being as funny because there's other interesting things happening, but Duck Soup <laughs> doesn't have that. So Duck Soup it's was very, the bottle, wasn't it? Yeah, it replaced Identity Within. Yeah, okay. Um, last minute, no budget, quick script for a quick turnaround. But, you know, previous attempts at that have been better. Yeah, yeah definitely. And how bizarre is it, like, for, for, for a last minute bottle episode script to be one of the three episodes out of eight that you extend and put on a home video release. yeah it's very very strange um and also it ran long as we discussed <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they had to cut out the, the title sequence very strange it's, it, it it occupies a weird place in my brain as this episode because it's like it's it's like it's got its own self-defense mechanism where it tricks me into thinking it's quite a good episode when i'm not watching it and the minute i start <laughs> watching it i it, i kind of I crash down and say, "Oh no, I I really don't like this." <laughs> <laughs> but when I'm thinking, it's almost like it's a, it's like it it's almost hitching on, on the coattails of blue somehow in my mind. I don't know why, mm. um, and that's you know, kind of one of the things that maybe killed yeah. our last attempt at <laughs> doing the commentary on this. Yeah, this is <laughs> we should say this isn't the first time we've attempted to do a commentary on exactly this. Uh, previous, it was years ago, wasn't it? it yeah, was, I think when you were yeah. still living with us, Caps. Yeah, and we had a few people round, and it was a late night, rubbly one. But we again, we didn't have. I'd lost my disc two for series seven at some point. Yeah, 
which is a fucker because I'm on disc two of course, <laughs> oh, yeah, <it's> <laughs> to buy a whole other copy. Um, and so we were watching it on uh, Daily Motion, I think. Yeah. Um, and it didn't have subtitles. And normally we can get away with just, you know, remembering what they're talking about for being so familiar with the episodes. But then we realised halfway through that we had no idea what was yeah. going on because none of us had watched it all that much. Yeah, it's a slightly lesser known abandoned commentary. Yeah, with Cassandra <laughs> being there. Yeah, it was only for quality reasons rather yeah. than. Yeah, I've know. I've never understood this joke about the trainers. I don't get it. What? I'd... Well, it's a it's a recurring joke in Red Dwarf because yeah. in Legion, there's a spare spare yeah. of sneakers in the icebox, which I... I thought was Snickers when I first heard it. <laughs> <laughs> Made more sense. And of course, at the start of this episode, Lister does the exact same thing with his pillow. So presumably, it's because it's really pleasant to put cold shoes on. I he think, has really maybe? hot feet. I, I he think has really could, hot yeah. feet. We we'll have to get to the bottom of that one at some point. I think. There's a really specific reference behind it, obviously that clearly no one knows about, but Doug will know where it's from. Like maybe it was something that just <laughs> happened at university in the seventies or something. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe it's one of those things where you think it's a common re- a, <laughs> yeah. a reference that everyone's going to get, but it turns out to be just you, and just everyone's too polite to tell Doug. Women. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't know what offside is famously of course <laughs> and all men care deeply about football it's 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 quite telling really is that even though this episode has the word extended in it spelt with only an x at the beginning instead of it being called a director's cut that is still not the most 90s thing about it <laughs> <coughs> i mean it's got the shape of a joke. Like, all of the, you know, Crichton's doing something wrong. He's misunderstood something, but it's just not, it's not landing. Do you know what? It's, it's not, it's a lot worse in Extended because of the lack of audience. Yeah. It's like in, when there's a laugh track on it, it's clearly a big comedy moment, but it's quite grim without that. Yeah, it it's is. just playing into eerie silence with a big pause where there should be laughter. There's a, there's a, there's a video series in, if, if there was some, sort of audio trickery where you could get rid of the, the laugh track on older Red Dwarf where you just you strip out the laugh track on certain scenes to, to ruin them like the boxer shorts and Polymorph would be yeah. utterly destroyed by that um, <laughs> yeah, just Rimmer just staring at them for yeah. ages for no reason it's like the the extended project really just seems so misguided in in retro not even in retrospect maybe at the time as well the fact that you had to in order for it to exist you had to take away the laugh track from an audience sitcom well this series wasn't an audience sitcom but the fact you had to take the laugh track away when you'd edited for it and performed for it in order for that thing to exist means that that thing probably shouldn't have existed (laughs) it would be a lot better if they were able to i don't know whether it's time or resources or technical possibilities but if they'd have been able to tighten up the edits and remove those pauses for laughter yeah they could have at least been its own thing then even if it's not what you want red dwarf to be it could have at least it's existed in its own right without this awkwardness yeah it's almost ironic actually is the amount that red dwarf gets accused of having canned laughter they probably could have made extended better by using canned laughter or just using yeah. like editing in laughs from other 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 episodes that would have actually massively improved it it would have only yeah it would only have to be the extended bits that needed extra stuff i didn't yeah exactly yeah it would only be the odd little bit especially in this episode which is just mo- brief moments here and there <laughs> this is good apart from <laughs> what are you arguing about about me being really mature <laughs> <laughs> there's always good lines in Red Dwarf, though. even in the worst episodes there's always something <laughs> yeah. I'm too mature for this, I'm going to go sit here and read me comic Crichton's <laughs> <laughs> mask is really weird I kind of like I like Crichton's mask in series 7 though there's some level of defin- the white highlight. definition in it. yeah, it's the definition in it it's very it, I don't know, it just it works quite well for him it looks, it looks good on camera hmm it's yeah, the white lines, the yeah, all the <coughs> joins in his mask being white. Yeah, Robert just did, I think, a quadruple take there. 
<laughs> it's a world record. We now come to our first bit of extended stuff. Did you enjoy it? There it goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's after after Kachanska says she's having a ball, Lister says we'll get you some clothes and she says, Don't worry, I'll wander around in a sheet for the next fifty years. Ah, oh, okay. <clears throat> and this bit also is an extra bit of her talking about her brother kidnapping her lipstick. Uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> it's just uh, some extended tiny bits here. If I don't look good, I don't feel good. That's that's just... Hmm. Awful idea. Also, she says her brother is called Moose. <laughs> that's... Yeah. <laughs> Moose Kachansky. Moose Kachansky. <laughs> it's got to be. Crichton <laughs> suffering a speech defect. Oh, Moose Kachansky. <laughs> he he caused terror on the on, on the Swedish Swedish roads in the seventies. <laughs> Same joke. Yours was better. She's done her hair in, in between walking from the kitchen into the... Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> when he said he was saving it for a birthday, I assume that that was for the other Kachansky. Uh, mm. well, we, well, we don't know when... Him. Well, there must be a bit of a gap, if not, between if he was... There must be a bit of a gap between a robberus and duck soup narratively, because it feels like Kachansky has been on board for a while. Yeah. Like it's not the next day or anything. I took it to mean that he'd picked, they'd picked it up on a derelict at some point relatively recently. Yeah. Since she turned up. I quite like this sequence. I do, but it's just it's a very strange. uh, Yeah. It's strange for yeah. It's a strange. Stylistically for Red Dwarf, but I think it's also Crichton <clears throat> being incredibly unreasonable and kind of not really thinking things through. And well, yes, well, that's yes. the whole, yeah, the whole episode. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. This is kind of the breakdown of oh, the Crichton character, I guess, yeah. that kind of extends this series and eight as well. Aroboros was kind of the beginning of the end because <laughs> yeah. like, it had your lying and that was at the time you could have seen that as okay well that's one extended scene that they've done just for this episode fair enough but the fact that it then stuck around for the rest of the series and yeah yeah and there's those gelf... <laughs> maybe I don't like this scene after all <laughs> <laughs> there's those gelf costumes that they, they, they get a good bit of mileage out of this series yeah it was really uh, bad like digital zoom there. Yeah. It was even like going in and out of his eye, you can excuse because it's very quick. But even that one shot of him when he snaps out of it and says, I've just seen the future, that's in a, a far closer cut, a far closer frame yeah, than was shot like clearly. Yeah, sort of pan scan yeah. kind of thing. And you can get, you could get away with that at certain points in the Dave era because the resolution they were shooting in was so much bigger than broadcast <laughs> resolution. But at this point, they're still on tape. It's not <laughs> every, every zoom is yeah. I do like Lister in this episode, though. I think it's Lister is more sort of him, if you know what I mean. Like just he is being nice and you know, like he's not. I don't think he's got an alt, an alternative in his head. I just think that he's. I, I think that. Uh, I just think that's how he is as, as a as a person, as a character. I just kind of like. Well, the only question mark is whether he's just doing it all to get laid, or whether he's genuinely being nice. But it's a. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, line. that is that is that is, and that is my opinion, and that is what yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a nice, um, nice bit. Of... In fact, yeah, it's continuing now. A nice bit of sound design with like the power failing and everything. Mm. It was quite, it's qu- almost quite eerie. Like the emergency lighting's good. Yeah. Yes, other than the other than the film effect, there's not much wrong with 
how it looks this episode and you know the way it's put together it's just the script yeah it's so very difficult uh, to film series 7 there <laughs> we're 13 odd minutes into this episode which may be slightly less in the broadcast version and nothing's the plot hasn't started yet this is only the plot starting now yeah yeah, but I guess it is all that's quite thematically common. linked. Yeah, it's all setting up. Yeah, the way Kachansky is feeling. It's a very, very rare instance in Red Dwarf, and in, in fact, it's possibly the only time where anyone cares what Kachansky thinks about anything. <laughs> <laughs> like she is the focus emotionally. She is the focus of at least the first part of this episode. It's about her settling in and how she's feeling. Yeah, and then all the material has run out after that. Yeah. Almost. That's it. Yeah. I wonder, Lister being claustrophobic hasn't really cropped yeah. up since, has it? And didn't before. You'd think being on a spaceship um, wouldn't wouldn't be the best. <laughs> I mean, yeah. best environment for someone who's claustrophobic, even if it's five miles long, you know. There was that thing in Cured where um, they all got knocked out and placed into their nightmare scenarios, and Rimmers was being trapped in a confined space. Yeah. And Listers was just having his balls cut off. Yeah. It could have been. Some semblance of continuity and character-based comedy. If it yeah, was, if they'd brought Lister's claustrophobia back. This is um, the revelation that alternative Lister is gay or not. Um, yeah, gay, and then it turns out she was just lying was to make him feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Is it all right? This bit. Are we, are we qualified to judge that? <laughs> is in, Lister's response is interesting, at least. It's like how he reacts to thinking that there's a version of him that's gay. I, I just, mean, th- I just think it's like, something he yeah. might not have even thought about, like as a, like as a, as a potential reality. Mm. Um, but, but it's the, yeah, same, he, it's the fact he's having to. I don't know. It's the, it's the fact he doesn't feel like he has to be. He has to prove he's not, and I just find that strange. Mm, like, it's a bit, it's a very mid nineties <laughs> way of like yeah. gay fear and and like all backs of the walls lads type humour. But yeah. it seems it to be exploring that in that it's questioning whether Lister has any of those thoughts, but it's, it's exploring it in a way that isn't just making gay jokes, which yeah, it's kind of similar to how Parallel Universe <coughs> dealt with sexism. And that yeah. it's probably it would be redundant these days, but at the time it's probably Yeah. Okay. You'd hope it would be redundant these days. <laughs> I think well, Ben yeah. Bob is quite a funny line. Ben Bob. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, it's like I'm not I'm not homophobic, I've got loads of gay mates. It's like it's it's classic, but it's not you He's yeah, yeah, his intentions are to uh, if he is, if he does have any uh, homophobia or any prejudice, then it's not a conscious thing. Yeah, exactly. He's, he like he thinks that he's sound. He, he doesn't think that he has a problem with it. If I could be a bit unkind for a, a bit. moment, it's it's a rare example of Doug's characters being a bit clueless and him writing them as that, rather than Doug himself being a bit clueless. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. Yeah. See, th- th- this is weird. This conversation about like Todd Hunter. It's like, well. It might be that Todd Hunter was gay in Kachansky's universe, but Lister can't argue that fact because he's not part of yeah, their universe. Yeah. So mm. the fact him saying, oh, he's married, he had kids, it's like, it just that's what doesn't make sense. It's like you, you talk about two separate universes, you can't say whether one or the other is true. Yeah. It is, it is yeah, we're right that it's written from a, a particular point. Like again with parallel universe, mm. that was the nineteen ninety seven way that um, that sexuality was viewed. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't necessarily play out the same way today. Mm. It's it's it's, a, it's a strange conversation, but it's all it's it's just again it, the whole the whole point of it was Kachansky just trying to just just to distract him in whatever way she could think of at the time. Mm. 
and it is for for all the faults that it may have it is a lot better handled than than time wave yeah which uh, like yeah. said said a lot about sexuality and didn't even intend to say a lot about sexuality i don't think yeah sorry i wasn't laughing about that i was laughing at what i was seeing on the screen <laughs> it's like the cat <laughs> just right. completely doing like exactly what he shouldn't do like, who is it cramped is that where he comes in and says it's cramped yeah that's good yeah just just so, trust danny to to inject some comedy into uh, well, places thanks. where it, it just wasn't. <laughs> Danny John Jules, that is. Yeah, oh, Danny John Jules, certainly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just to clarify. Danny Stevenson isn't funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's how clutch works. <laughs> I don't always get it, just knowing I can't get out. <laughs> but I think that line is, is might be Doug covering, like, I don't get it all the time, I only get it sometimes. Yeah. So that it doesn't necessarily contradict previous <laughs> yeah. and future occasions where you see him in a cl- close space. Yeah. I used to get it all the time until my second appendix was taken out. <laughs> see, I've never heard that line said. I didn't realise that's what you're saying. Like, come round the bacon counter eyes. Like, I've never heard that. Like, that. I've, I've, only because subtitles are on did I realise that's actually what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. A, a play on come to bed eyes. Yeah. Behind the bacon counter, <laughs> yeah, which uh, that sounds that sounds like a, a very, a very good double entendre. <laughs> I've come around the bacon counter, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I had to uh, suck that apprentice, <laughs> caught him with his knob in the bacon slicer. What happened to the bacon slicer? Sucked her as well. <laughs> Lol, pants. <laughs> What's that? Is that Les Dawson? I think it's Peter <laughs> Kay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so remind me even though I'm watching it and I've got the subtitles on which bit's this this is basically <laughs> why he's claustrophobic so it's about yeah, the, uh, the, oh, the boyfriend yeah. putting the box in and then oh uh, yeah in front of an amateur production of the importance of being earnest yeah Oh, it's a flawless delivery, to be fair. Like, the entire thing is just Craig doing what he does best, which is like, yeah, really case. complicated dialogue and almost, like, I think it was completely one take. Mm. Yeah, I think Craig's on good form in this. It's like, well, the obvious and trite thing to do would be to compare this whole episode to Maroon, so let's do that. <laughs> uh, because it's, like... In series three, it was just the two characters, obviously Rimmer and Lister, but it was like they're forced to spend this time together. They have, you know, they have nothing to talk about. Let's see what happens. Mm. And they're doing that again here. And it's interesting, I guess, that it's different pairings of characters, and you know, mm. it's rare, and especially prior to this point, it would be rare for Lister and Cat to sit down and have a proper chat. It's definitely rare for Crichton and Kachansky to sit down together. But then this is also, I realised as I was saying that, previously and in the future, you'd have Lister and Rimmer conversations as being the driving force of any episode, yeah. let alone an episode that's all about people having conversations. And yeah, it's a real loss, Yeah, obviously, not having Rimmer there. Do you know what? I hadn't even, I hadn't even considered that. Uh, you know, I thought about it while I've been watching it this time anyway. Is that of course that is... <laughs> That's the big advantage the that big, yeah. any any other bottle episode has is that it has Rimmer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because like this, I, th- I remember at the time watching it and th- and knowing that you know obviously Rimmer had left at the end of Stoke, knowing that he was in four episodes out of the eight, but not knowing which they were necessarily. Yeah. I don't think. Uh, and a robberist came and he had a little cameo and I was like okay I've had my fix of Rimmer and then this was the first one without any Rimmer whatsoever Yeah, I remember thinking that he was going to turn up at some point because I knew that he was in four and I was, I was sort of in my head it was the first four but then this was the opportunity to show what the show could do like what the new dynamic was whether it was going to be okay to not have Rimmer there and the answer is no, no. it's really, I mean, really bad not having Rimmer there. <laughs> he certainly had a stab at it. Like he, like yeah. the, the first non-Rimmer episode is, you know, let's just put all the characters on show. And like, 
it's it's pretty brave because it's going to sh- show the cracks <laughs> like this yeah, sort of episode but definitely worth doing i think it's yeah, definitely the yeah. right thing to do of like okay well here's the four characters we have now let's see what the new dynamic is let's yeah. test it out yeah but yeah it's not a good result this bit always makes me think of the um behind the scenes documentary yeah. the um, visual effects guys all in uh, in a hangar was it a hangar? no? Or my, I think my around the back of Shepparton yeah. just, yeah, just firing yeah, water at the wall and, yeah, the last thing they shot I think wasn't it? <clears throat> yeah. I'm going to say because this was budgetary was the reason for this episode wasn't it? it was like they didn't have a lot of time to build new sets or anything so it was a case of we had to make some episode that allowed us to have yeah the least amount of set required to make is, you know, like to spread it as far as possible. It says a lot that the the the, the bottle cheap episode still found room to have um, BBC Visual Effects do a set piece. Hmm. Like yeah. the, the, there was always room for that. Um, and to be fair, it's like yeah, they didn't have much time uh, or money to build sets, but they still managed to build basically an entirely new part of Starbug yeah. that we'd not seen before uh, you know out of some crates and you know a few flats that were knocking about and obviously I would assume reconfiguring them all so that you know it was the same panels that were used to build different areas of the ducks and to be fair for a bottle episode for that reason it has it doesn't feel like a bottle episode necessarily no. uh, other, obviously other than the fact there's no guest cast and no locations and no big Big set visual effects, other than the what the big set piece at the end. It does feel like it's not just stuck in the same place. At least they're trying to portray a different area of the ship. Ah, this is another extended bit, isn't it? This is the third. If you include the opening titles, this is the third um, extended bit in the episode. Uh, Twenty-five minutes in, and it's also the last. <laughs> <laughs> This is so, it. <laughs> well, again, the, I wonder whether the reason why they took this out is maybe because he said, oh, I couldn't eat a person. He's like, well, I can't cook it. And it's like, well, you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 three episodes ago. <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, one entire scene that got cut out. The only other bit in the episode was those few lines that were slipped out of the earlier Lister and mm. Kachansky scene. So this is, what, about three minutes, this scene? Uh, and they just lopped the whole thing out. But apparently the Squeaky Gibson story is one of Craig's favourite ever bits of Red Dwarf. But I think that's probably because it's just him doing a bit of material. (laughs) It's like, it's not his material, but then his stand-up wasn't his material either. (laughs) It was written by other people. But yeah, I can tell tell why he'd like it, but it's not... It's not terrible, it's just not... it's not a highlight for me. No, it's it's Craig Charles. It's not it's not Lister, which is actually, yeah. some, especially around the time, one of the kind of the, the big criticisms of seven and eight of the performances is that it started to feel like Craig Charles and not Lister. Mm. Uh, and this is, uh, I mean, uh, even though this was cut out, this is kind of a good example of that. Is that sometimes it just feels like, yeah, Craig Charles doing his stand up, doing a bit. And this bit is Kachansky talking about cyber school. Um and like the fact the fact that she was brought up in and went to school in VR or AR or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And this was obviously cut out here. It was cut out at, at script stage in Aroboros as well. Um, when we got hold of those early draft scripts which you can um find analysis of on G and T. There was a whole thing about her going to cyber school and it sending her a bit doolally. And this was like early draft of a robberus when it was like establishing this version of the character. And the intention was that she was supposed to be slightly unhinged from it and that she'd like twitch and like have these weird outbursts. And it's like that did not come across at all. (laughs) That did not make it into the series. And it probably would have been terrible, but at least it would have been a character. (laughs) It would have been something. Um, incidentally, for further reading on this, go into G&T and search for um, Series 7 Drafts and also search for Extended Revisited, uh, which is a series of articles by John Hoare which goes through um, all the extended episodes and details what's different. And that's how I was able to state so confidently that this was the last bit because I'm just reading the <laughs> article. <laughs> 
reading GNT's equivalent of Wikipedia. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the, the whole idea of uh, virtual school, uh, that's ridiculous, isn't it? That'll never happen. <laughs> God, yeah. There's actual there's actual virtual offices now, like using like Oculus Go's and stuff for, for connected workspaces, so give it a few years and the same will happen for schools. A lot of people using like, Animal Crossing for like meetings and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> people are just playing Animal Crossing and they're like, <laughs> can we, can we like tie this into work somehow? <laughs> I am working. <laughs> And now it's the revelation that Crichton has caused all this yeah. on purpose, like a prick. Maybe if there was something <laughs> left over from his um, inhibitor chip in Ticket to Ride, this would sit a bit better. I don't yeah. know. But this is Crichton endangering the life of a crew of the crew out of spite. Yeah. And that does that is not compatible with any version of Crichton that I recognise. Yeah. In the most recent episode of Red Dwarf, Crichton had to override his motors to to lie with a head nod. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he actually it broke himself. Out. Yeah. He burnt out his brain. Yeah. And then sacrificed his his uh battery, uh his own life for the crew. Yeah. And that is Crichton. Yeah, that is that's hundred percent Crichton, yeah. But so yeah, it's like we this picks up on what we were saying earlier that a robberus was a possible. Oh, I hope they don't ruin Crichton, and this is confirmation that he's completely fucked. Yeah, and it wasn't until the Dave era that the character recovered at all. Yeah, absolutely. Like from back back to Earth, he was basically arrived, pretty much fixed. Yeah. But yeah, this is the shot here where they're at the Great, That's where it. yeah, the uh, the documentary has the extended version of this take. A lot of this isn't a bad gag people. that they drop down and find themselves exactly where they started. <laughs> <laughs> Crichton turned the map upside down. So the cat has let Kachansky wear his jacket. Yeah. So that's the cat's character ruined. <laughs> <laughs> like a cat somehow ended up. In that there. was good. That was a good. That's probably the funniest bit of the episode is the cat coming out. <laughs> in the, in the, in the, <laughs> Oh, they needed to see. God, where was the woofer there? That was a, like a big laugh moment, turning the map upside down. Mm. The door's already open. <laughs> Did anyone see that? The door's already open. Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 well, that makes it even more stupid that Craig <laughs> made him crawl around the ducts. <laughs> Let me just say, it's not like anything to do with the angle. Let's see what the, when they show the door. I think the door's a bit further on, to be honest with you. But no, it looked it looked the, like the grating behind in the corridor was already. Was that like an airlock type yeah. situation where there's two? Oh, maybe yeah. Parts of the door. And here's. Uh, <laughs> I've learned <laughs> something today. To justify <laughs> the existence of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's good, it's good that. It's undercut, <clears throat> you know, with some yeah. good old-fashioned violence. And again, but with no laugh track. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just violence. It's not comedy violence, it's just violence. And she slightly misses on one of those. Yeah, and then then he has oh. to adjust himself onto his knee a bit. Yeah. <laughs> it goes yeah. on for ages. <laughs> this is That's like the end of Ticket to Ride, it. like beating the shit out yeah. of Lister. Let's let's have an end. Yeah. yeah, we can't think of an ending. Let's just beat the shit out of one of the protagonists. <laughs> two, yeah. two episodes out of four ending with the character being brutally. A bit beaten. like I can't I can't figure out how to make this effect shot look good. Let's add five hundred percent motion blur. Uh, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that. That is that episode. That was an episode of Red Dwarf. <laughs> it's noticed that um, Peter Rag is still credited as the main visual effects person and um, Chris Veal is additional video effects yeah. which is probably some sort of hierarchy thing or some contractual thing but actually <laughs> it's the other way around in the finished products of series 7 
Chris Veal is the main visual effects guy. Yeah. And Rag and his team, in what was used, were only tiny, tiny bits. Might be a terminology thing, but was Chris Veal? Was that was what Chris Veal did? Video effects? Like that's not like video effects is like the. Well, actually, well, to be fair, I think because a lot of the other effects and stuff that they did weren't all. Chris Veal, because the, like the 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 tear in the um, in Robbers was done by BBC Visual Effects as well. Yeah. So those yeah, kind of effects were one. done by video effects. So maybe that falls under that category, perhaps. Yeah, I guess when I think uh, of video effects, I think of the the cool shit in Six. You know, like yeah, those USB stuff. Effects. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But then, and I think I think yeah, I think it is just terminology that's changed over the years. Yeah, it's, it's, it's know, what CG in the old. Is now. Yeah, in the old BBC system here, these were the job titles. But I think yeah. you're looking yeah. at like literally where the crossover did. point is as well. Like this is where the where the two effects started to literally merge and become the same thing. Is this basically the last year of that old BBC system as well? Like, didn't Pro- BBC Visual Effects get shut down in '97, or closed in '97, '98? Yeah, I think I think it was between um, seven and eight. Yeah, I mean, you'd think so because like there, there was there was no semblance of BBC visual effects in eight. Yeah. Um, it was Bill Pearson and that lot. Why? Yeah, sad times. Do you know what? That feels. I feel like that that was a fairly low energy commentary, but I I'm pretty <laughs> sure that is that's the kind of the best level that anyone's going to muster. Well, it's 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 difficult uh, to do dialogue-heavy episodes in commentaries. We found this a lot over the years uh, because what we said before, kind of pay attention. (laughs) Yeah, don't worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of have to pay attention to the dialogue because it all looks the same as each other visually, and yeah, uh, yeah, and also it's not an episode that I've revisited loads over the years. No, I I keep I have a massive blind spot as what episode number it is. Mm. Series series seven just co- continuously confuses me. Um, I could four five episodes four five and six off the top of my head. I could never tell you immediately which ones which, which is well, strange because it's the sort of thing that you know an a geek who was obsessed with a particular TV <clears> show <throat> would would memorize. But for this series, for whatever reason, it just feels really disjointed and strange. And... Mm. Even within series seven, I think Duck Soup. Is possibly my least favourite of all eight. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, Beyond a Joke is terrible, but um, <laughs> Duck Soup just doesn't even have any anything too visually interesting to keep me yeah. involved, or any you know any guest characters to distract me, or any big explosions. Yeah, Beyond the Joke's got a tank and a giant explosion. It's, yeah, yeah, it's got some good cameos and some, yeah. you know, um, it's got it's some nice. Got Don Henderson. If I remember, if I remember correctly, our commentary for Beyond the Joke is one of our better ones. Um, so you know, you should go back and listen to that. Yeah. Joe turned up with some facts. That was what it is. Yeah, <laughs> she, yeah. Joe, she was she Joe was a big Pride and Prejudice joints. fan. Oh yeah, and so she, yeah, she did some unheard of research. analysis of the Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> yeah, it was a really good one. But yeah, the good news is, for all concerned, the good news is that we now only have one series seven episode left. Yes, we're slowly uh, ticking is... them off, guys. We're slowly ticking them I off. I can't even remember which one it is. Blue is blue. The other one that I we've think blue. Oh, I hope yeah. so. Yeah. Oh, that's not a bad. That's one of the better ones from series seven. Yeah, on. blue next. Yeah, that's good. Not necessarily the next episode that we record, but the uh, the no. last the last of the sevens. It would possibly be a bit messy for us to do two two from the same series in a row. So you know, everyone else can do the maths and can work out <laughs> what the next one might be. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, there's um, um a bit of meta here, but looking at the spreadsheet um, of our commentaries, there's a, a note next to duck soup. And this note must date, must be at least eight years old, and it just says "fuck it off." <laughs> <laughs> so yes. that's what happened originally. <laughs> so yeah, the commentary. Even though we're nearing the end of the BBC era commentaries, um, after a relatively short uh, fourteen years of, uh, <laughs> of releasing podcasts, 
<laughs> Don't fret. There's still plenty for us to talk to waffle over. Yeah. Speaking of which, shall we introduce our new section? Yes, let's unzip and slap our new section on the table. <laughs> uh, so yeah, while we're in uh, lockdown, uh, and even beyond lockdown, uh, let's face it, because we're not, it's not like we were massively uh, going out all night, all day, every day, <laughs> when we were allowed to. Uh, we are intending to record uh, remote dwarfcasts on a on a regular basis, as regularly as we can. Um, and so we thought we'd add uh, an extra session, section as well as um, doing the commentaries uh, to have uh, a little bit every week, 10 minutes or so, where we just chat about any Red Dwarf topics that spring to mind or any that are suggested uh, by our many wonderful readers and listeners. Um, and so we've decided to call this section Waffle Men. Ah, so you're oh, a Waffle, waffle man. Man's Men. So uh, we've had a few uh, suggestions for things to talk about from our wonderful uh, listening and viewing and reading public. Um, Nikki Hutchinson suggests the idea of Red Dwarf ending in a novel, uh, seeing as that's something that Doug has said in the past Mm. and after the Promised Land showing. How would you feel about that happening? for, For a start, I don't think any piece of red dwarf be it a novel or a book will ever be intentionally the last red dwarf i think the last red dwarf is just going to happen and we're not going to know it's the last red dwarf until it becomes really obvious do you know what i mean and it may have already happened and it may have already happened but also like i would kill for another novel and it feels like one of those things that's been dangled in front of us so much more than a movie ever was really of like Mm. rob might do a novel doug doug has an idea for a novel you know we could get two novels from the two writers again at some point in the future and it's like that is the most exciting one of the most exciting prospects and of course this has never happened so I, i would love any sort of novel whether it's the ending or just you know an alternate universe or anything really Mm. It's it's funny because like because the, the ending of the books feels like an ending of Red Dwarf. It's like so to sort of continue on feels like you're kind of undoing any ending you'd have done in the show, and also any ending you'd have done in the books. So That's... like the back end of um, Last Human or backwards, whichever you consider to be the last book, then that's you know that's the. Well, you raise a good point because a book. A book to finish the TV show is already a strange idea, considering that the books are not the TV show. They're not the they're same their continuity. own universe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, multiple. Universes they are their own two off. universes because that's yeah. just how Red Dwarf rolls. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it would it would be specifically labor. It would have to be specific. It wouldn't be the fifth novel in this of this batch yeah, of Red Dwarf novels. Different. It would have to be its own thing that specifically said this is the ending of the TV show. Yeah, and I, th- yeah. I think the only... Because Doug has said that um, he wouldn't want to do a definitive last episode on TV. But maybe if it becomes apparent that for whatever reason, and like it, this is not a pleasant um, avenue to think about particularly, but for like if it became apparent that they couldn't shoot any more definitively, and the reason for that would be one of the main forecast members being permanently unavailable, yeah, um, then maybe that that's something that Doug would do just to to tie things off. Yeah. But I think we'd have to get to that extreme point, which hopefully is not for a long, long time, yeah. where there is absolutely zero prospect of new Red Dwarf being made for TV for Doug to. You know, definitively say, "I'm that's it. It's done." Yeah, and then give it a few. <clears> years and even then, and it's like probably start again. Yeah, you know, <laughs> some you know. way or other. Yeah, like, uh... yeah. I mean, we briefly touched on it last week as well. That you know, other sci-fi series have this huge expanded universe: uh, yeah. Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who, everything out like novels, audios, whatever, um, animations, games. That's something that Red Dwarf's never had. It's always been a strong authored voice or series of voices. <laughs> like yeah. Originally Rob and Doug, then Doug. Um, and that's the the main reason why you wouldn't have uh, the equivalents of Big Finish and, and New Adventures um, necessarily for Red Dwarf because for them not to be written by at least one of Rob and Doug would be a bit yeah. wrong, I think. Mm. It's quite fragile, really, isn't it, as a, as a thing? Like, a lot more fragile than... A lot of the shows. There's so many shows that could survive 
um, a, a couple of the main cast members leaving or moving mm. on and ha- having replacements or you know with the exception of the holly situation red dwarf had, like almost died on its ass with um with uh, uh chris gone as we've just mm. seen you know like as soon as soon as you know as soon as uh, you know any kind of change to the status quo large one what will happen now it could be the end of the whole thing because it just can't really it's, continue can it especially now that it had that 10 year gap yeah and when it came back it was so firmly you know it's these four yeah these yeah. four people are red dwarf now yeah and i think whereas previously you know when it was an ongoing concern and it didn't have this huge cult built up around it or you know not as much as one it hadn't it hadn't been red dwarf wasn't old enough for people to be nostalgic for it you could you know you could have chris leave and say yeah let's carry on you could have norman leave and say yeah let's carry on but now those four are red dwarf yeah exactly yeah pick up on something danny said about the novels having already had an official you know and this is the end of the story i would argue that all four of them have Mm. even infinity Infinity mm. ends with um, Lister seemingly uh, it's revealed in Better Than Life that he doesn't but seemingly leaving uh, Better Than Life and of course in the fictional town of Bedford Falls it was always Christmas Eve and that fe- always felt like ah, that's all tied up, that's all resolved. He's gonna He's got back to the real world and he's going to carry on living his life. Better Than Life emotionally certainly feels like an ending of like, at least to this particular chapter of Red Dwarf um, of him being back on Backwards World with Kachansky and they're going to grow young together. Yeah. yeah. And that's it's all very wholesome and nice and satisfying. And then Last Human is the one that does it like as a permanent end, I'd yeah. say. Um, <laughs> in that Rim is dead um, and that Lister and Kachansky have, have basically retired from yeah, <laughs> adventuring and have settled down to fuck. I find And then Backwards... Inter- Backwards does have this sequel hook um, of, oh, you picked a fine time to turn up. We're just about to. Oh, don't tell him about that. (laughs) Uh, But other than that, it's like, yeah, that's the one that's got the description of Lister seeing that big red hulk of a spaceship and feeling like home, uh, which is really nice. I find your interpretation of the first book interesting because that's not what I came away from it with. The, the the ending of Infinity is he's stuck in better than life and he's never going to leave. Because oh, he, so he says he, he couldn't, couldn't, leave, couldn't them leave them on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. But of course. I kind of interpreted it as uh, but then again you went it's always Christmas optimistic. Eve so he might as well. Uh, you went for the optimistic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's interesting. Uh, Whereas yours was he is stuck. If if can't leave on Christmas Eve, equals true, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's always Christmas Eve. So he's a, he is in a he is in a like yeah he's in a recursive loop. <laughs> anyway, we should we should probably um you know pay closer attention to the books in some sort of uh, episodic format. <laughs> At some point. Um, in the meantime, I've got more suggestions. Uh, International Debris suggested, how about is Series 8 any good as a topic? Uh, I think, uh, I think we, might, we might come back to that at a later yeah. date. We'll probably answer that in like maybe a Dwarfcast, maybe the next Dwarfcast, <laughs> maybe. Uh, Renegade Rob, uh, his topic idea is, what is it? Just two full hours of differently worded explanations of what stasis leaks and white holes are. <laughs> That's actually a good idea. It's almost like you can imagine that being a charity stream, like a, a challenge. Like, can I actually do that? <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I mean, but on the back of that, though, I was pondering recently. I saw um, Cy Bromley, uh, long-time Gene Tier, on Twitter. I say recently. Again, it was probably months ago now. <laughs> uh, but he started listing all the times where Kat said, what is it? <laughs> and it's it's more than those, there's obviously there's those two scenes where he says it over again and that's the joke in Stasis Leak and White Hole but also just like in general he says what is it <laughs> quite a lot <laughs> and I think it's just like he's the as a character he's the one that never understands what's going on and so it's useful for you know to get a, a complicated plot across 
someone has to explain it and someone has to ask for it to be explained. Yeah. And it seems to be always the cat. He says, what is it? <laughs> like, multiple occasions. In, so um, there's an edit in there somewhere. In the recently concluded West Wing Weekly podcast, they um, termed that phenomenon uh, Teladonna because it was always Donna <laughs> being uh, explained to about certain topics of that week. <laughs> <coughs> what is the Senate anyway, Josh? Not quite like that, but... Uh, Craig Walker asks if we can discuss the Easter egg on the Promised Land because he hasn't got a Blu-ray drive to put the disc into. Yeah, there's an Easter egg on the Promised Land DVD and Blu-ray, which is only accessible uh, through a computer, which would be less of an issue, like, say, five years ago yeah, when no almost all computers had disk drives, but it's really hard to get hold of a, a laptop these days that has any kind of optical disk drive at all. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of people suddenly find themselves unable to watch DVDs and Blu-rays <laughs> through their computer. Yeah, uh, I've had to plug in an, an external <laughs> one today. Uh, but I actually haven't seen it yet because... Even though I'm the one that's doing the review of the Promised Land Blu-ray, <laughs> I also have a four-week-old child. Uh, but so I've I'm, I've seen elsewhere that what it is, it's a PDF of um, what they of designs uh, that were used for the Starbug operator's manual. Oh, lovely! Which is a lovely thing to have put on, and I imagine yeah. like knowing Matt Clark from, yeah, from his Twitter threads, there must be uh, like. An entire Blu-ray's worth of PDFs that he could have. Put I was going to say it must have been must have been a hell of a decision for him to pick one thing out of the massive <laughs> yeah. like, archive of amazing <clears throat> shit. I would I would absolutely kill for a visual dictionary <laughs> of Red Dwarf. That is what I would kill yeah. for. <laughs> so yeah, um, the review of that will uh, be happening, but just probably not as quickly as previous reviews. But then. This week, there seems to be a general kind of lethargy about... Lethargy? Lethargy? Lethargy. That, that word about uh, the Promised Land Blu-ray. He's like, there's been a fair bit of discussion about it, but what it is is most people are very keen to get hold of their copies, um, especially with, obviously, the postal service not being brilliant at the moment, and there was, you know, Amazon shit the bed and emailed everyone and said that it was going to be delayed and then ended up delivering on time. <laughs> Uh, so people were keen to make sure that they had it for you know collectible reasons, but no one seems that asked about watching it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the reason for that is that the extras, all but one of the extras, were put on UK TV Play on the night of broadcast. Mm. UK uh, TV so... Play has to ruin something. Every series, yeah. <laughs> it has to ruin something. I mean, we'll take this. Like, I'd rather <laughs> imagine if they'd have just done the whole yeah. <laughs> 90 minute special a week before it was broadcast, that would be bad as a compromise, I don't mind See, the, the, the argument I have is that things like Netflix and stuff absolutely have the capability to add like commentary tracks and things like that into yeah. their into their streams mm-hmm. and I've always said that, you know, if on demand is going to be the way that releases are going to go any extra stuff should also, and any supplementary stuff should probably also maybe go onto the streaming services and so yeah. UK TV's the first person I've seen, the first sort of company I've seen to actually do that. And it's like, oh, they've spoiled a DVD. And it's like, well, they're putting it still on demand. So they're still, you know, it's keeping current, but we're sort of still of that age where like DVDs and Blu-rays are kind of our first viewing of of the extra stuff. And Mm. that's where they used to belong. Yeah, I mean, I I think us us three in particular, like more than most... Oh, actually, Capsi is... You're fully in the streaming age, and yeah, you know, yeah, you, embraced. you hardly have any physicals. You don't have any linear telly stuff or anything. But yeah. I think me and Danny in particular are still obsessed with physical media yeah. and and all that kind of I, thing. I like to own the things that I buy. <laughs> yeah, I think, but we are a dying breed, and I think we have to be realistic about the fact that you know we're not going to be. If, if as discussed, is you know whether it's likely or not, if Red Dwarf is still going in ten years' time, will there even be? any physical releases of this stuff probably not probably not in 10 years unknown actually. and yeah. so yeah Danny's right there needs the biggest casualty of that isn't so much the pretty boxes even though it makes me sad that I don't get pretty boxes of everything anymore the biggest casualty is that the DVD era set this expectation that releases of stuff would have this amazing 
bonus features and this extra stuff and that's the biggest casualty is that that is disappearing too Mm, um and even if you can if you do end up with extra stuff online be it through on-demand services or through social media or whatever it never has the budget and the resources and the time to make it as good as um you know when dvds were firing also there's obviously there's always exceptions and doctor who is uh, having its like second or third bite of the cherry and releasing Blu-ray collections of um, of specific seasons of Classic Who, and so they're rounding up all the individual releases, uh, upscaling everything, and putting those extras together, and also adding a few new extras that are that are good quality and you know have the production values. Very much a special case. <laughs> but yeah, Doctor Who is like Red Dwarf can't compete with Doctor Who even though we have obsessive fans too there's just yeah. fewer of us it's just like new TV shows these days it feels like obviously I have I have a limited knowledge of how these things work but it feels like it used to be that you know you'd have the push of the TV show being broadcast and that was one pot of money for marketing and and for you know additional stuff and then you'd have the the DVD project would almost be a completely separate thing with a separate budget mm. and therefore you could say spend this amount on commentaries like you say Danny like technology wise Netflix yeah just flick on a commentary but who's paying for the commentary and where's the return yeah. on the money spent on the commentary it's yeah. just not there anymore yeah. because no. it's exactly That's the it. same <clears throat> it was it was added value it was an incentive yeah. to buy the dvds especially as like uh, you know you might have already had this on video or you can you know you could just yeah. tape it off the telly uh, when dvd started <clears throat> so the the increase in quality wasn't enough of a selling point so it's like i'll buy this you may have already bought it before but uh, this time there's a documentary and you can listen to the director talking about it. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, obviously, I'm going to, you know, I've mentioned this a thousand times, but Red Dwarf kind of shot themselves in the foot by having what is essentially <laughs> the best collection of extra material and supplementary stuff on any release of any TV show. I don't think there's, I, I really don't think there's anything to compare, like anything like that. With the amount Certainly of stuff. Certainly not for comedy. Get. No, no. League of Gentlemen. Other sci-fi yeah. might uh, might compete, but uh, comedy. I mean, the League of Gentlemen had brilliant extras, uh, but not as numerous and as in-depth yeah, as the Dwarf. I think I lumped League of Gentlemen in because I just remember in the early 2000s there was... There was a real fear that um, the Red Dwarf DVD releases were going to be like. In fact, I think you did a, a comedy post on GNT in like 2002 <laughs> yeah. or three, where so this is what Red Dwarf would have looked like if it had been the BBC Classics collection, or I forget oh, what yeah. the brand was at the time. But 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 League of Gentlemen came along, and like that was a show that do, like doesn't. I didn't didn't really you couldn't justify that to a money person to say put mm. this amount of extras they all these commentaries and extra kind of behind the scenes things in but they did anyway and red dwarf kind of was doing the exact same thing um this particular guy at bbc worldwide behind both of them wasn't it um or w- working on both of them ross mcginley, ross McGinley. Ross oh McGinley. yeah that's right um, i was gonna say ross mccormack that was a disappointing aston villa striker <laughs> <laughs> There's a little insight into Ian's brain there. Who's, uh, <laughs> figures in Red Dwarf production and um, old Villa players kind of in one ball. Well, to be fair, we we did have Jimmy Rimmer, who was our <laughs> yeah, goalkeeper, when we last won the league in 1981. <laughs> I had a Jimmy Rimmer just before we started recording. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> f- finally, for this uh, inaugural edition of waffle man there are further comment there are further topics but we've um we don't want to blow our load in case no one sends <laughs> any more next week so it, there's one uh, that i'm holding back um which came in today i think on twitter uh but um pete martin asked uh when will the blue midget page be updated <laughs> uh, and if you get that reference then you've been on gnt for too long yeah <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, for now, that was... Uh, ah, so you're a Waffle Man. Waffle Man. What Waffle Man? Uh, I think it went all right. I think we'll do it again next week. Uh, so if you would like to uh, submit any questions or any topics for us to talk about, they can be big or small, they can be obscure or otherwise, uh, we, are, we do have the ability to chat shit about virtually anything red dwarf related <laughs> uh so do get in touch if there's anything you want to suggest um you can either do that by commenting on gnt on the uh article for this commentary um we'll be uh checking the comments there and you can also uh tweet us 
Twitter handle is Ganymede Heighten. Okay. So this should give you an idea of the kind of person we're working okay. with. Okay. So yes, join us again in uh, hopefully in about a week's time. Hopefully we're doing a weekly schedule, but um, we reserve the right to change that if uh, <laughs> if we can't manage it. But yeah, join us next time for another commentary and another edition of All Waffle Men. Uh, but until that happens, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, stay safe, everyone. And as always, Ed bye, everybody. Ed bye. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye. <laughs>